Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Boyle Sports World Grand Prix on Sky Sports. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome along. It is Monday, it is 8pm, and it can mean only one thing. It is the online darts live round with me, Phil Bars, Jack Gobby Garwood, and Lee Boyce himself. Gentlemen, good evening, and have we just about recharged from what was an absolute belting weekend of darts? I mean, I am, Phil, because me and you did some darts, but Lee was too busy watching his team lose to Aston Villa, so you know... Um, I also watched the Liverpool draw to Brentford, an early promoted team as well. It wasn't just Man United I saw the weekend off. I did see a, <laughs> a North, North London derby defeat for Spurs. There was quite a few things I saw across the weekend, as well as all the darts. Um, but yeah, glad I developed it for the weekend streaming. Great job. Um, but yeah, I had the more relaxing job. Just do- I had the more relaxing job with just a few roundups at the end, but uh, well done for the week. I'm feeling refreshed. I don't know about you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was um, it, it, it was interesting. Um, big shout out to James Richardson who was watching from his hotel room at the live league as well, mate. Hope you are well. Played some good stuff today, um, but every week we think. We'll have a quiet week. There won't be much to talk about. Oh, my God. What a few days this has been. There's been talking points all over the place. Good, bad, and indifferent, shall we say, boys. Hey, hey, I warned you two weeks ago, we had chock-a-block non-stop until the second week of December. I couldn't believe it when we were seeing comments on social media saying there's nothing to talk about, there's no darts on. What were people thinking? It's mad. Madness. Absolute stark raving 
was. Um, someone said my mic was a bit crisp, but I just turned the audio down um, a little bit. It was topping out a little bit. Different settings for different shows. Um, there we go. I think switch it up. Well, I just turned down a little bit, so it should be all right. Um, but just unbelievable. In the chat room, again, come and say hi. Plenty of you in. Uh, we were just waffling there a bit, talking about dying shenanigans, but all the usual suspects are in the chat room. Joe, Craig, Sarah, Bill. Missy is in as always. Um, TJ, hopefully you're all doing. Uh, Malachi is in. Carl from Dartstracker, James, all the usual suspects. It's great to have you along. Remember, make sure you subscribe and give us a like. Hoping to hit 15k by the end of the World Grand Prix, boys. PB, your, yours is still crackling a little bit on my end. I don't know if that's coming through for Dob as well. It is still crackling a little bit, mate. Yes. Um, pass might be a loose wire or something. I might turn myself down a little bit then. It's not me, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you still hear? Am I still loud enough to hear? Oh, yeah, I still hear you, mate. Yeah, you. I'll turn you all back up again. Oh, yeah, I'll just turn it back up a little bit so it doesn't bomb out altogether. There we go. Um, but chat room, let us know what was your highlight of the weekend. There was plenty of them, but let us know which one it was. So, boys, we'll we'll jump straight in. I'm trying to tee this up. We were messing around a bit at the start, so a little bit working on the fly as always. You know, you know us here. Don't like to do things by half, do we? Of course not. So it's not my mic. My mic's working perfectly fine. Thank you very much. Dob, you've now gone really loud and Phil's gone really quiet. Oh, for God's sake. The, the Phil being quiet's not a problem. It's you being really loud, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> um, so only one place to start. We're going to start in Milton Keynes, boys. The Lady Series was full of darting drama from start to finish. I think it's fair to say. Before we go into the individual ones, Gob, looking back, did it live up to all the hype and expectation? I think it delivered what we expected it to before the weekend. Um, we've seen the event before. I think the, the sixth event over a weekend was quite difficult um the averages tended to drop in that final session uh, in that final event a lot more than anywhere else um but that will come with experience etc as these go on we saw some great darts we got to see some players that we might not usually get to see on the stream it was really nice how they rotated that some of the time um and overall a, a really good standard thing it wrong there were still some players where the averages weren't great, the performances weren't brilliant, but we were sat here two weeks ago along with some of the field of the ladies players and, and people that are putting this event on, effectively begging people to go to make sure there was an event. So we, we can't have it both ways. Yeah. But event number one. Seems a long time ago now, God. We sat down and we're, we're, we're going through this. Um, but Event number one was won by Lisa Ashton. 
um, beating Rihanna O'Sullivan in the final. Um, she beat Fallon Sheriff in the last 16. And all tournament, when the draws come out, we were looking to see when they would meet. This time it was quite early, but Lisa going on wasn't her best performances of the weekend, but she won the first one, getting money on that table. That's, that's the important thing to do, get money on the board early. She got the victory. She beat Fallon early as well, which helped massively, especially knowing how the rest of the weekend panned out. But all the talk before the event was how those two would meet. Um, the fact that uh, Peter Hedman and, and Makuru were, were beaten in the quarterfinals as well set the, the tone of the weekend for those two a little bit also. Um, so, yeah. I, a good start for Lisa Astle just to get money on the board. Yeah, completely. Um, looking at that that lineup in the semi-final, Boise, Rianne and Lisa both were in their semi-finals quite comfortably. Um, Anastasia played okay across the weekend, but this was a, a best, the semi-final on event one. Yeah, I think I think when we were speaking last week about this, we we all I think we all expected Fallon and Lisa to be the front runners, but we expected a lot of spoilers that we that we didn't really see as much. We saw the runs, but it was just how the draw played out. And obviously in this semi-final, very, very impressed with Renal Sullivan early on in the weekend. Um but like I said, it was it was Lisa in control early on, uh on each day. I know we'll move on to that the send that later on, but Lisa started well on both days, but uh, a lot of credit must go to Rihanna O'Sullivan, uh, especially on the Saturday. Yeah, massively. Uh, Niall Cullock is in. They're all watching from Southampton boys. The hotel are all glued onto the live lounge, and rightfully so. Um, moving on, event number two. Best friends collided in the final, Boise. But Fallon Sherrick didn't get Lisa, didn't let Lisa Ashton get too far in front as she picked up event number two. Yeah, it was yeah. it was a strong performance. I was just, just going to say it was a, a strong performance from uh, Fallon. What, it's what we saw, like I said, it was, we was looking for that sort of upset. Well, I was early on to see if we could see anyone push those two later on, um, but. Corrine played well across the weekend, uh, but it was just a very, very controlling performance from Fallon. We expected to be a front runner because of how she performed the week before, um, but it was a very, very strong performance from Fallon in the second uh, event of the weekend. Yeah, God, and like we said about Anastasia being her best, this was Corinne's best run as well, getting to the final in event two. Did you expect a little more of her? I did, to be honest, because of that. Looking at that quarter-final lineup, the top four that I would have put them before this weekend are all there. Anastasia probably in, in fifth in, in that regard, but the top four going into this event, in my mind, were Lisa, Fallon, uh, Corinne and Dieter. Um, to, to not see those two hit the quarter-finals or more, more frequently would have been disappointing, especially when you consider how the finals were dominated so much by just two players. They had to stay that little bit closer from the end of the weekend and they just weren't able to do that consistently enough um, in the six events. Yeah. Um, Joe Locke 
took out Lisa Ashton in the quarterfinals. Yes, it was a below par, Lisa Ashton. God, but we were watching that one. But can't take anything away from Joanne Lord. She actually played some really good stuff and still had to put Lisa away. She played some really good stuff all weekend, did Joanne Lord. Very, very uh, capable player indeed. She took her chances against Lisa in that match. We watched it unfold, like you said, on the stream. Um, and, and she was superb. And all right, it's, it's not the 80, 90 average that we have seen from Lisa at times over this weekend. There were at times on um, Sunday when Lisa was virtually unplayable at times. But that's going to happen over this many games in a short space of time. You're going to get those ups and downs. We see it on the pro tour. Nobody really goes and dominates all day long, every day for six events in a row. So when you get those chances, it's about people taking them. And, and Joanne Locke did that in event two, opening the door for Fallon Sherrick to get her first title on the board. Yeah, she did. So Fallon and Lisa level at one title apiece going into event number three. And it was a double. It was back-to-back titles for the Queen of the Palace, Fallon Sherrick-Golf. And this final was brilliant from both. And it took a special performance from Fallon Sherrick to beat Lisa Hedman in this final. Yeah, both days, the final in the final game was final event was probably the best one or we, we saw the best performance of the day within that in, in terms of in the final so when the rest of the field are faltering to be able to produce that level at the end of the day is superb and it was it was a great matchup between the two Fallon getting over the line doubling up taking that early advantage in the order of merit overnight yeah just I'm just looking at the stats Boise for this final Dita took the first leg but then it was a three-leg blitz from Fallon Sherrick, where her three-dot averages in these three legs to go 3-1 up was 136, 11-dart leg, 125, 12-dart leg, and a measly 107, 14-dart leg. A little bit impressive, just a little. I think, I think what we've seen in these stages from uh, Fallon is... I know she spoke about it after her first round win um, last weekend was around the live lead and how that's helped her. I think that's helped her a lot to see that better as the days progressed on both day one and day two. I think that has really helped her that having in this final uh, for me, which was probably down of the weekend, um, was that it was that blitz that won it for Fallon. Uh, it was a turning point. She had that little bit, little bit of a lead, but the one that Dieter had to get through to that, beating Lisa's last 16. Um, Suzuki, then quarterfinals, then Locke, who was very impressive on the Saturday in the semi. Very good run by Dieter, but I think when we see that from Fallon, um, that's when she stands out as the uh, the best women's woman's player for me. Yeah, uh, evening, Charlie. Um, God, just again, before we move on to the Sunday, that quarterfinal lineup is and it is probably the most impressive quarterfinal lineup we saw. Granted, Lisa departed early, but apart from Lisa's absence, that's probably the strongest quarterfinal lineup overall we saw all weekend. Yeah, I think so. The evening match, look, every game 4 3, 4 3, 4 2, 4 3. That tells you just how tight that is. Really impressed with Vicky Purim, actually, uh, whilst her name popped up. She was a really, really good player over the weekend. And um, Makura getting somewhat near what she's capable of at times. Uh, Joanne Locke going deep again, and then you've got the likely crew, Fallon, Anna, 
Corin Dieter, in her own words, taking out all the top players to get to the final. Yeah. But Dark, the Dark destroyed just ran out of steam. So overnight, Fallon Sherrick led the Order of Merit two titles to one. But Sunday, it was only about two people. The Cream, Rose Boise, and the two standouts that we all talk about that have raised the bar for the ladies certainly shone. We'll talk about the individual results in, in a minute, but Fallon and Lisa on the Sunday were just irresistible. Yeah, there was. There was, there was sensational. Some, some performances within those were just unplayable um, from both of them. And it, it was just who could become the better of the final. And um, that was the only difference. It was such a strong day by both. And unfortunately, it just wasn't enough for Lisa, but she'll be very, very disappointed. But equally, she should be proud to, to pick up two events on the day. Uh, no how difficult it was. So I'll consider that. It was such a, such a good day, but just not enough for Lisa, but just shows how good Fallon is. Yeah, completely. Um, so from there, Fallon had the slenderest of leads going into day two on the Sunday. And that lead, Lisa leveled up with the titles gob. She beat Fallon 5-4 in the final. Although we all know the end outcome at the end of the day, there was one dart in this game that could have changed the whole destiny of the ladies' series. Fallon missed one dart, double eight to win it. And Lisa never looked back from there in this one. Yeah, I rewatched that earlier. I think it was double 16, actually. It was 64, 16, 16, outside or inside. Um, Lisa recovers at four apiece and wins a deciding leg. That could have set Fallon off nice and early. It would have been the first time she's beaten Lisa over the weekend as well. Lisa already having one victory over her, uh, which, of course, extended for a little while throughout the event as well. Um, big, big moments, of course, and, and up until that, it, it, it set up a grandstand finish, um, but Fallon Sherrick could have had the job done a little bit earlier. So I was just reading something, that was all. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and again, in, in this one, Boise, forget the final because they were both irresistible, but there was one name in that semi-final which jumps out at me. It's the golden girl, Trina Gulliver. How good was it to see her back competing and getting to a semi-final after everything she has been through? Yeah, it was... She obviously run out of steam um, getting to that semi-final and then falling, but so good to see uh, Trina back performing how she can. Um, probably could perform even better, but it's so good to see her back uh, challenging and pushing uh, the ladies, and once again, just looking at the names in the quarterfinals and semi-finals, it was such a strong event, um, which made it even more impressive to see Trina get into the semi. Yeah, God, we, we spoke about it as well on the stream when we were watching it, but her throw just looks so good again. It's like nothing's ever changed. Yeah, and look, <laughs> you look at the players that have had the most success over the years, 
they don't tend to change a lot about their throw. Michael struggled recently a little bit because there's been subtle change in his throw. Phil Taylor was pretty much solid from what you saw from day one with him. Uh, Barney went through a few alterations, but actually when he throws the same, it's solid. And Trina's another who's had success. It's a relatively basic throw. Not a lot can go wrong. There is a little bit of a pump on it, but it works for her and she doesn't miss very often when she's on it. No, absolutely. And then Lisa did what Fallon did, made it back-to-back titles in event number five. Um, and this one, we thought this was maybe the, the result that Fallon may not be able to get over because Lisa beating her in the final here put Lisa back top of the order of merit by just 50 pounds. And this was a convincing performance. Where the last one was close, this one was a very dominant display from Lisa to, to edge her rival. Yeah, off the back of two ton plus averages as well from Lisa earlier on in the day, it looked like she really hit her stride at this point. It was three losses on the spin for Fallon against Lisa after missing chance in, in the second attempt. Um, and like you said, it, it put Lisa top of the order of merit, which basically meant that whatever Lisa did in the final event, Fallon had to go one better if she was going to take the first Grand Slam spot. So it set up a really, really good final session or final event um, going into event number six. Yeah, and Boise, just those two performances from Lisa in the quarterfinals and semifinals, 104.32 and 102.95. That's world-class arrow slinging. Yeah, and it's not. Playing nine leads of darts against Anastasia and Dita, and only combined winning one letter then just shows how good Lisa was playing at that moment and going into that final. Would assume at that point would have been favourite for this one because of how well she played uh, coming into it. She she played probably her strongest event. Um, this one out of the six, uh, very good darts all the way through. And like you said, didn't hit the numbers in the um, final, but was very dominant and always in control against Fallon. And uh, for me, when watching this, for me, was the turning point. And I thought, even if it's not both of them in the final, it's Lisa's then to win. Um, because I thought beating Fallon for the third time by this stage, that she just had the advantage. And it was going to be interesting to see how the draw panned out, to see if there would be uh, where they would fit on which side of the draw and how that would work out. So it was a, for me, I thought this was the turning point and I expected Lisa to fully that one and then wrap up the, uh, the Grand Slam spot. Going into that last event, God. We were calling it in and all eyes were on the two, round by round. Who was going further? And they were leapfrogging each other round by round. Who was playing first? Who had a longer wait? And it was just an, in, just an intro, three, it was just enthralling to watch it unfold in our eyes. And that £50 is such a small amount of money in the context of what they were playing for. But it was a, just, a, just a wait, wasn't it? It is a small margin, but don't forget, Fallon missed out last year on countback um, from his head where yeah. Dita finished in the top two. So you just, sport has these funny ways of just doing the same things to you over and over again, doesn't it? And after not quite having the success at Q School that perhaps many expected Fallon to have after her, her stage success, um, you just felt like maybe it was getting away, but like, because... The final event was so disjointed. There was a buy on one of the boards. There was a board that was really, really slow at times. 
Um, it just meant the players, Lisa and Fallon, were playing one after the other. Then they might play two in a row before the next one plays again. And they were just jumping ahead of each other on that order of merit, which just kept refreshing Dart's rankings to see who was jumping ahead at that point. Um, but ultimately, we, we got the final that, that settled it. I think it to see, regardless of the outcome, to see it come down to those two playing against each other was the best outcome. I wouldn't like to see one of the players lose to anybody else because they've been so far above everybody else for the rest of the weekend. The other five titles were shared between them. The only player that had beaten Fallon all weekend was Lisa. Obviously, Lisa dropped that early loss to Joe Locke um, and Dita Hedman as well. But to see that to see it settled between these two in the final just made that a little bit more special, I think. Yeah, it did. We'll come on to the final in a minute. But I'm going to go back to the semi-final. And it was great to see Makuru battle the odds that we saw on that stream. And it was like watching a boxer in the 12th round that had absolutely nothing left. And you could have just got up to him with a feather and pushed them over. She looked absolutely shattered. And to get to a semi-final, look, she's a back-to-back double world champion and has all the ability in the world. And I hope for the second one she gets her preparation right because there were signs that she's not a million miles away. Yeah, I think this series has been a bit of a lesson to Makuru in that the preparation is just as important about how long she, when she arrives in the country and, and getting ready for it. She was tweeting both days in between matches and events that she was just tired and, and had no choice but to go and try and sleep as soon as the events were over. Um, but actually, her better performances on both days came in the final events. And I think that shows more... At that point, you're basically running on autopilot. There's less thinking about it. You're just repeating, repeating. So the action's solid. It's still there to be repeated, basically, and she can produce it under intense scrutiny. It's just can she do it, which is arguably a little bit more settled. Um, there's there's signs that the old Makura is still in there, the two-time world champion that was, was throwing 90 and, and 100 averages for fun whenever she fancied calling it a fun now. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, but the final Boise, as we said, going into it, Lisa was favourite, having beaten Fallon in the previous two finals and beating her the, the day before as well. But I don't think Lisa, or I don't think many people would have stood up to that barrage of scoring that Fallon came out of the blocks with. Yes, it's, I think we've seen over the, the past two weeks when we're looking at a player to step up at a time when she's the underdog. Uh, and this is across he, he or she in the, in the main event or on the women's series. Someone who's really stepping up to the plate when the odds are against her is certainly Fallon. Because to put in that level of performance and then someone who's beat you numerous times across the weekend, knowing that only wins that enough to get you a place into uh, the Grand Slam, just shows, for me, how good that Fallon is. Um, and like says, from the event before, I expected Lisa to then go on and then um, maintain her top position. So it was such a sensational performance by Fallon. I do think the win lifted her in the semis, um, that win against Suzuki, but fair play to Fallon. It was just incredible, that final for me. The performance put in the scoring was just so good. Yeah, and God, Jim, just looking at the, the scoring stats, but not many people beat Lisa Ashton 5 0. 
She's a four times world champion. That doesn't happen very often. But the quality, Fallon's worst leg was 19 darts. Yeah, she just turned up and delivered when it mattered most. She got out of the blocks early. We were saying that before the game started, that she needed to start brightly just to stop the momentum that Lisa basically had in, in matches against her up until that point. She finished well. She scored well. She, she delivered a performance that we know she's capable of when she hits her top gear, and, and she produced that for a large part of the game. Oh, completely. Um, so... Just gonna tee this up for those that haven't seen it yet. After six events, this is how the money table looks in the ladies' series order of merit. Fallon Sherrick has a lead against Lisa Ashton, but more importantly, Boise, the gap between the top two and Dita in third is almost unbridgeable. Yeah. I'll I think it is. I think that the second event is going to see people fighting for that Grand Slam spot. Um, out of all the names there, and I know Dob just touched on it, if the preparation's right, Makuru could have a very, very good weekend, but she's still so far behind Lisa. And one thing, as much as the other ladies can go on a run and go and win a couple of these events, what I would expect across the weekend is still to see Lisa and Fallon at least in the quarter and semis, if not going on to be as dominant as they have from this weekend. So for me, I think the fight there is just for the Grand Slam spot and the world spots are taken. I just can't see anyone catching uh, Lisa in that. I think there's just too much of a distance there. Yeah, God. And the interesting bit is obviously the money race resets for the next Grand Slam. They all start from from zero. So if you're in that that little group, Dita, Makuru, is that your priority to top that one now and almost forget about the world spots? Yeah, I think it's, it's a completely different event to play for. Look, everybody wants to play at the World Championship because the prize money incentive is so much better and it's the biggest tournament in the world. But there's still a decent amount of money on offer to the players that go in deep. The top 13 all took £700 or more home after the weekend, so all made considerable money on top of their entry fees and everything else. Don't get me wrong, some of the bottom players didn't, but that's the risk and reward for playing darts. Um, the fact that resets, they have to go and try and beat Lisa Ashton to that spot of the Grand Slam. The, the, the two aren't tied in together. We Looking at the table now, Lisa and Fallon will be the two that participate at the World Championship, but Having a crack at that Grand Slam spot should definitely be on the cards for those next eight or nine players. Oh, completely. Speaking of the Grand Slam spots, Fallon Sherrick is heading to Wolverhampton to the Aldersley Leisure Village for the first time. And there will be a lot of PDC players not wanting her in their group, Boise. Uh, when you say a lot, I would probably go as far to say as good as all of those wouldn't, especially over in that group stage format, the short format. Fallon can come firing out the blocks, and if she can find that story that we've seen her finding that final against Lisa. Um, not only that, with the fans in Wolverhampton, I'm sure we'll all be behind Fallon as well at the time. Um, it's certainly one person you want to avoid when that draw comes out in the group stages 
uh, group stage draw he's made. Yeah, oh, absolutely. A um, couple of questions, we'll answer them in a second. There's some real good ones about the Lady Series. But, obviously, Lisa as well, Gob, she's going to have to recover, um, process what's happened. How much of a blow to, to her will losing that second final be? Having been perfect in the first two, will she be happy with winning two? Or will that defeat sting for a while in the third final? Look, she'd be disappointed she's not in the Grand Slam after being so close. She was in the lead heading into the final event, obviously. But Lisa has a tour card. Lisa's focus has to be on going to try and keep that. And one of the ways she does that is by getting to the World Championship. That will be her main focus right now. Make sure that Dieter Hedman doesn't catch the top two as it sits right now. Um, guarantee that she's at the World Championships, either via this or, or through the Pro Tour Order of Merit or however else. Pick up the 10 grand for your first round there. Hope that you can do a job a little bit more and keep that tour card. Don't get wrong, appearing at the Grand Slam would have been great for her. Like The group stage just means you have that little bit longer to settle. They're shorter races, which is traditionally the standard that Ladies Darts has been made to play over the last few years. Um, but yeah, securing her tour card for next year has to be the most important thing for Lisa. Um, and that means her eyes are on the World Championships for me. Yeah, a couple of questions in the chat room. Stephen says, um, did the money go on Lisa's order of merit ranking? No, it didn't, mate. Um, it's a complete separate individual ranking for the Lady Series. Um, yeah, and Andrew makes a good point. We spoke about this um, as well over the weekend, that the second weekend of the Lady Series, Boise, clashes with the Welsh Open, which is a WDF, higher, one of the higher category events. So... There's going to be some decisions to to be made from some of the ladies that maybe split what to do. Yeah, and it made it a bit more difficult because of how far Fallon and Lisa are in front. Because you are, for me, like I said, you are just playing now for that Grand Slam spot. Um, which, how important the ranking points are then for the WDF. It does make it an important one, and we spoke about it, I think it was last week, we spoke about it when it were, the event was cancelled in Germany, about the number of people who were um, going to these events, and we saw such of a push by a lot of the top players. It's a bit concerning of what number then you'll get for the second event. I would expect the big name still to be there, if I'm being honest, because of that push for the Grand Slam. I think a lot of them will learn from this weekend, from the six events across the two days. Um, Matura we spoke about, but I'm sure others will look at their preparation and make sure they're in a good position to, to push Leeson all the way. Um, because we know we've seen uh, D to do it last year. That If they turn up for that weekend, they can certainly get a Grand Slam spot. And then once you are there, it's a bit of a win or two. How much it pushes on for their career, as we've seen with Fallon. So I feel a lot of the top players we will see there, but I just expect the numbers. It might have a bit of an impact on the numbers that we have at the ladies' event. The... Uh, the PDC ladies event, should say. Yeah, massive shout out to Chris Murphy and Colin Lloyd as well for the coverage on the stream. Absolutely top draw. And it was just great to see the ladies back playing again. So, but from there, all eyes now turn to Leicester, the World Grand Prix, the Ball Sports World Grand Prix. And the draw was published <laughs> around. Midday. 
I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm not hiding. It should be done live. <laughs> End of. All major tournament draws should be done live. None of this pre-recording and editing it to make it look good. Yes, it looks great for social media and, and everything like that. However, there are then integrity questions. But I'm not saying anything that has been done, but if you're a player and you get a stinker, you you can ask that question, can't you? Yeah. Yeah. And to, to be honest, this draw is almost too good to be true. It is absolutely unbelievable. I genuinely, for the first time in a long, long time, do not think anybody is safe in the first round. No, not at all. There is an argument to be made that, <laughs> and I know it's sport, I know anything can happen and anybody can beat anybody on, on any other day, but looking at that, there is absolutely not a single player there that won't be looking at that draw going, I've got a tough one here. Uh, yeah, I looked at that this, uh, well, this morning, I was going to say midday, and there's only one name that I could pick out who I had as a close to a certainty to go for her. The rest, it took seeing upset. There's only one, and that's because of the form of um, does that that I, I aim towards the Jose one, but that is, that's solely it. And I spoke about it, how we performed um, in Blackpool, that there's glimpses of it. So if he's put that time in, then. That certainly opens up as well, and then the others. There could be, there's going to be so many upsets, but I'm not sure upset is the right word because of how good the draw is. I don't think we could have unpicked it ourselves any better. <laughs> it, it looked so good for a first round, some of those ties. Hmm. And don't get me wrong, oh. this is the top 32 players in the world, or, or however yeah. the rankings work out, etc. So you, you're going to get these sort of matches, I think there's five missing from it and, and five that have jumped into the qualification or, or however it's worked out. But even when you look at that quality, if, if you swap some of these names around, there are still goals in ability. Like, I'm not being funny, Gerwin Price against most of the field is, is going to struggle. Gerwin Price against the Michael Smith that isn't seeded is, is a dangerous draw. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just the way the matchups have worked. It's just so... It's paired people up brilliantly. Yeah, oh, co completely. Um, before we come on and start dissecting the draw, uh, we'll jump into the chat room a minute because there was a few lively ones in there. Um, Henry is in. Hope you are well, mate. Um, James said, yeah, no excuse not to have a live draw nowadays. Yeah, completely. Um, um, ben says, yeah, completely agree. Um, this Dan AG Euro tour should be live as well. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, that says only Jose is safe. Maybe. Well, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The jury is still out on Jose for me. Unbelievable front runner. If you if you let him get in front, you're not catching him. However, drag him to deep waters. I can't remember the last time he won a scrap of a game. A big game, I mean. Lee, 
you know in our intro when we say, oh, we're going to talk waffle for the next two hours, and I'm like, no, actually, let's give ourselves a bit of credit. Yeah? Barzi's just bought the waffle. I'm not sold. I'm not. So, PB, I do get it. I understand it. However, I just think if... It's nonsense. If you could handpick a draw for anyone in there at the moment, the draw you want is probably Glenn. I'm not arguing that. So I'm, I'm, I'm not arguing. Not arguing that. For for a first round draw, I don't see the concerns, even if it does go to a bit of a scrap because of how Glenn is playing. Later on in the tournament, maybe, but early on. <laughs> I can't see it being Bill Barr's up there. He's been covering darts for God knows how long. Thinks the current world number seven is a one-trick pony, one-dimensional dart player. That's basically what he's not told. <laughs> Generally, I'm just not told. Oh, Philip. Craig, if, if, if you don't get in front, he will steamroll you. But when it turns into a dogfight, like it has done for him in a lot of the TV tournaments, he doesn't win those games. I'm winning uh, at the Premier League. And then lost the final. The, uh... the biggest game then, he didn't turn up in the final. Yeah, players were allowed to turn up in one game, but he won plenty of these little dogfight games to get to the final. But you're saying he's not capable of? Look at the match play. Going into it, everyone was saying he was going to blow Michael Smith away. Bully Boy takes him, makes it to a scrap, and Jose doesn't win it. Good for Bully Boy. And playing well. (laughs) <laughs> Jose just doesn't win those craps. It's almost like Phil. Barney a few years ago, where if you let Barney, if you let Barney go and get into a lead, he looked brilliant. Get him into a scrap, he gets beat, and that's why I think Barney Jose is in a minute if you keep chatting nonsense. Hey, <laughs> just just remember, I'm, I'm in charge of the controls. I'm uh, I'm top relegation scrap because that's where your football team are heading. I'm uh, I'm waiting for for Jose to start a lead on a three tops and watch Phil's head totally explode. That's what will happen (laughs) when he scores 120 and he's three (laughs) tops and then finishes the same way. (laughs) Yeah, it'll start on three tops and then miss count and bust no score. Someone checks out, he loses. And then and then win the day in two nil. Don't worry about Jose; he'll be fine. <laughs> um, right, let, let, let's dissect the first round draw then, gents, and we'll, we'll try and plot who we think will make the last four and so on. First game up, number one yeah, seed. Right. We get this. Hit the lottery numbers. Look, Geron Price against Michael Smith. This isn't a tie that either of them wanted, let's be honest. No, I'm gonna, it sounds stupid, but for me, this one's all about Gezi. We've seen how good his double top hitting can be. It basically won him a world championship because he's scoring at times through 
the last three games of that title was shocking. But his double top hitting was one of the best performances you'll ever likely to see on a single target on the board. I think that Bully Boy will come up, play at a decent level. It's just if Price hits tops frequently enough to keep him ahead of Smith. Yeah. So it's an interesting one for sure. Well, well, I'll ask you both who you think is going to come through in a minute. But then, Boise, Martin Clearmacher against Merv King. For me, I'm siding with King in this one. Just experience, and especially what we saw from the Euro Tour at the weekend. Clearmacher's doubling wasn't the best. Yeah, and add on to that, Merv double sixteen eating as well. How good that is! Uh, it's it's always been a, a strong event for Merv and. He would have been one of those who, outside the seat, who you didn't want to meet because of that. And like I said, we claim that needs to step it up an awful lot from what he done the weekend. Uh, for me, it's Merv. However, it's one of those where the, the draw is so tight across the board, but you, you didn't want Merv first round at all. Not on a Dublin event. Not yeah. It's, for me. Smith's getting better, so we've got one player who's who's on the up and one who's slightly dipping. 
which makes this such an intriguing time. Yeah, completely. Next one, Gob, it's, it's one of your boys against Damon Hetter, and again, a horrid draw. And for someone that is so good at tops and tens, Wadey hasn't really delivered in this tournament. You would expect that his game to do so more than what he has done here. His record in the opening in the in this event for the last three or four years is terrible. It is so bad. I remember having this discussion with last week going, yeah, it's Wadey loves doubling, it'll be absolutely fine. His record at the Grand Prix is shocking most recently. And the fact he's playing the player that most resembles James Wade's own game in the first round, Damon Hetter is the Australian mini version of James Wade. He will just hoover up chances you give him nice and solid, nice and steady. Um, it's a horrid draw once again. Oh, completely. And then, this is, again, another intriguing one, this one. Stephen Bunting against Daryl Gurney. Again, an absolute coin toss of, of a game. that We thought Gurney was maybe coming back into a little bit of form. Stephen Bunting has been inconsistent when he's been good on the Pro Tour. He's been very good. But a good run followed up when by an early exit. This is a really intriguing one as well, Boise. Yeah, n- not only that, I think both players will be fairly happy with the draw and fairly happy with the seed with Hetter in there because of, obviously, with James Wade's performance in here. Um, they will be, whoever gets through this one, will also be confident going into that second round for me. So it's a big game for both players. Um, but I think both of these will be looking at that section thinking there's a, there's a very, very good opportunity and that. That's sort of the quarter where I'm looking, where there's one of those who could come through the field and um, where I I can see just as a way to performance at this tournament before that it's not way coming through that little section. So I think there's a big opportunity for either Bunton or Derny to get through there. And the same when we look at the Danes that are coming up in the next part of this uh, quarter. Last game in the top half, Gob. I think this time last year, We'd have probably gone the other way around, but Dirk van Dijvenbode, who got to the final last year against Luke Humphreys, this time around, Luke is the better player. Yeah, he's been making finals and having runs and, and pro tours and the UK Open for fun this year as Luke definitely stepped up his game to that extra level that you expect of somebody that was so accomplished on a development tour like he was. Um, Dirk was on a bit of a crest of a wave this time last year, made the final of this, made the quarterfinals of the um, World well, Championships, um, but Luke is probably favourite heading into this one right now. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah, TV, you've missed one. We missed Jimmy V. Sir. That's right. Jimmy yeah. and Sir. That's <laughs> what a day. Right. It's a horrid one to call right now as well, isn't it? I was going to say that's something. Scott, it's a horrid one to call. He's on the up. That, that wasn't controversial at all. Um, <laughs> consistent, playing very well. Will no doubt start on tops, I think, or 16s even. Um, and right now, Dimi has lost his edge. Been very yeah. concerned about him since probably the match play. Um, was not good at the World Cup, wasn't that great. Um, at the World Series. Um, he seems to have lost that level of composure 
that he's he's normally got. He's, he's thrown lots of ragged darts at double, which obviously you definitely can't afford to do in the Grand Prix. Um, and you just feel that if Ryan Searle gets out ahead of him, the momentum will carry him ahead of, of Vinny in such a short contest. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm I'm worried for Dimitri. The, it was more the manner of the performances at the World Cup and at the World Series event and that something's got to change. And if it doesn't, it could be another early exit for the number five seed. Moving into the bottom half, what a horrid tie this is right at the top. World number two, Peter Wright, and he draws Rob Cross. That is horrid for both players. A month ago, I'd have said Peter Wright wins this convincingly. But over the last month, since winning the match play, and not just winning it, smashing the match play, Piers Forms just dipped slightly, and that brings Rob Cross back into the equation for this tie god. It doesn't. Rob Cross is a bit of a weird one right now because he, he's looked very consistent. He's looked very solid. He just doesn't seem to still have the top-level A-game change of gear he needs to put some of the bigger names away right now. He's, he's still throwing along nicely at mid-90s averages and, and playing okay, but doesn't, doesn't have it in those big moments at the minute. But this might be the opportunity. Peter Wright chopping and changing darts since that victory. He was comfortably the best player in the world six weeks ago. Um, right now, we're not saying that. So, the, it, look, Massively depends which Peter Wright turns up. He loves to survive a scare early on, and it wouldn't be, I wouldn't put it past him doing it again in the first round here. Yeah. Um, evening, Charlie. Hope you are all well, mate. We'll come on to we'll come on to the T side still after this next game. But Nathan Aspinall semi final at the weekend, boys. See against Ratajski, which. Look, at the moment, we either get brilliant Ratajski or average Ratajski. Um, an intriguing one, this one. Uh, yeah, and if, and if we have brilliant Ratajski, for me, this has this has everything to be the best aim of, the, of round one. And there's so many times that can have that. But if we get the Ratajski that we can let in top form, what a game we could have here between him and Nathan Aspinall. Aspinall seems to be finding a little bit. Um, and like says, he is inconsistent with Tysty, so we could see a fabulous first round and then if he lets prove him drop slightly, um, but or a lot. But for me, this is this is one that really, really stands out. If both can perform like we know they can do on stage, this for me could stand out as a round of Taiwan. Jose de Souza, Glenn Darrell, we spoke about it earlier. Charlie has asked, do we think that Glenn will be easily beaten, boys? <laughs> the answer is, who knows? Look, it is absolutely no secret that Glenn Doran is struggling for form right now. He, he's qualified for a lot of events he's played in so far this year because of his results from last year and the way that the money list works. That said, it's been a while since we've seen a lot of the field. No pro tours, etc. We don't know what he's been doing away from PDC events and practice and, and coaching, perhaps. Um, and look, it's a short format with a double start. That means that anything can happen. Jose will be quite a large favourite heading into this one. But Glenn Doran is a three-time world champion, a Premier League champion, and is capable of whatever he wants on his day. So, 
It's sport. Only things. It's not played on paper. And then Callum Ridds takes on Johnny Clayton, the last of the third quarter games. And again, this is all dependent on the two players because their highs are very high, but they're also very inconsistent, as we saw at the weekend. Rids was unplayable one minute and then fell off a cliff. And the, the same with, with Johnny at the moment. So this is an intriguing one. Yeah, it, it falls into the category with some of the others. What we're saying that it were the underdogs going into this one, as Rids will be, but he's on the up. So, yeah, there was inconsistencies there, but there was a couple of performances that were just at a really, really high quality this weekend. And for me, I, I expected a lot more from Johnny after he performed at the Nordic Darts and his standard of darts was very good. I know there was an opportunity there really for him to go all the way. I, I was disappointed with him the weekend where Ridge was quite the opposite. So... <laughs> It's another one where we've got the, the better player who's on the slight dip and the, the underdog who's on the up. So it's going to be a very, very close tight. Another one that's difficult to call after this weekend. Bottom quarter, Michael Van Gogh against Danny Noppert, Dutch Derby. They met at the weekend. And God, again, in this short format, this is not a give me for Michael Van Gogh. No, look, over, over a longer format, Michael Van Gerwen is heavy favourite just because I think Danny Noppert struggles to close out matches against the bigger names in the sport. We've seen it from him quite a bit. We see it from him on the Euro Tour over the weekend. Don't get Michael Van Gerwen was superb in his comeback in doing so, but Danny Noppert really should have got over the line um, in Gibraltar. Um, <laughs> still not really sure where Michael is. He played very well over the weekend, come up against some very good performances, last leg decider against Price as well. Um, he, he has been that bit unlucky. I can't remember which statistician said it on Twitter earlier. Um, I think it was Carl from Dark Tracker. that he's faced 20, 28% of his matches this year. His opponent has chucked 100 average at him. That's the most of anybody on tour. So it's, it's sort of like when it rains, it pours for Michael. He just didn't quite get in the run of it. Um, but that title at the World Series, doesn't matter how they come, will give him the confidence he can go and pick up more silverware through the rest of the year. And he will be looking to start here to just keep in touch with the top two. Yeah. And then underneath, again, this is a this depends what version of each player turns up for. see, this will either be a good game an absolute stinker or one player will run away with it because I've got no idea which version of Vincent van der Boer and Gabriel Clemens will turn up. Yeah, I, th- I think I think Clemens is that little little bit more consistent um, but that's marginal. Vincent, we talked about Ratoisty and the, uh, the highs and lows and how much different they are. I think Vincent van der Voort is at the step above Ratoisty in that, in the range of how he can go and how long he can go in performances. So, yeah, um, I think he does fall into that category. For me, Clemens has the edge just because he's that little bit more consistent. But this could be over in six legs. It could equally go all the way and both of which could be in the hundred. So, both of which could equally be in the 80s. But I just, if I had to side towards one, it would just be Clemens just because he's got that little bit more consistency. 
and then Battle of the Fishing Rods, Gary Anderson against Ian White. First time we're going to have seen Ian White since his operation. So we don't know how he is from that. Is he 100% recovered? We'll, we'll find that. Um, and, and with Gary, your guess is as good as mine. What one, what dart he'll throw. Two, what double he'll go for and, and everything else go on. <laughs> this one, it's a toss of a coin, but because they've been matched up together, that's why. Look, Gary has practiced a little bit with Ryan Searle and has promised us more practice sessions with Ryan Searle headed into this. Um, he'll just get on with it, won't he? And, and the thing is, I think Gary Anderson's scoring has been pretty consistent over the last year to 18 months. It's been his finishing. We either get a 15% performance from Gary Anderson or a 70% performance from Gary Anderson. He doesn't do anything in between on the outer ring, so it's either going to be an absolute stinker or he's going to be very, very difficult to live with. Um, add Ian White's recent operation, the fact that it's on TV into the equation, he still swing Gary a little bit, but it is possible that Ian White gets the job done. Yeah, I know. It's certainly not beyond the, the rounds. This game is all about Gary Anderson and what version we get. If we get the good version of Gary Anderson, he wins. If we get the off one, as Gob said there, then it's a, then it's a game and it's a it's a slugfest. And the last game of round one, and again, this is an absolute coin toss. Darius Lavanowskis against Brendan Dolan. I genuinely can't call this one. Just be, just because of the tournament, I edge towards Brendan Dolan. Um, it's but it it is edging towards him because it is that close on who turns up on the day. Um, it's it is a tough one to call, a very tough one to call. I just think the the history that Dolan's got in tournaments is double it and he's fairly consistent. His scoring hasn't been too bad recently. I think Darius needs to come into this one and perform at the, the highest that he can to, to not Brendan. I, I do fancy Brendan to that through that one. Yes, Darius is double top hitting in the last couple of times we've seen him on TV has been ridiculously good. It's just, for me, it's just his consistency. It, it, and that's all it is, but I, I can just see Brendan getting through that one. And it would set up a very, very intriguing tie for me on when we're talking about players' consistency and how, they, especially on doubles, we set up a very, very good tie with uh, potentially Gary Anderson in round two. No, I agree. Right, boys, I'm going to give you a couple of seconds to plot your semi-finalists. A couple of questions in the chat room. Oh. I believe the capacity is about 3,500, if I'm not mistaken. I'm sure that's what it was for the Champions League. Um, so I'm guessing it's the same. Yeah, it's, it's not a million miles from the city centre. Also, you can tell I'm a southern lad. Do they have Uber in Leicester? Let me know, please. Think so. I'm sure they do. Yeah, I'm sure they do. Hey, did you know me? Anything north of Watford? <laughs> Northerners. Depends if any of their drivers have got any petrol, mate. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> more the problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's loads of Ubers. They just park them unfortunately. Yeah, there's loads of them. They just can't can't use them. Um, right. First of all. Your semi-final lineups, gentlemen. First of all, Gob, top half, 
what is your first semi-final? I don't know. I was too busy making jokes about Uber having no petrol. <laughs> um, Christ. I'm going for it. Mensor Mania. Mensor Sulevich. And who will he play? Really want it to be Wadey, but I think it'll be Luke Humphreys. And bottom half. Bottom semi final. Oh no, it's Lee's turn for the top half now. <laughs> All right, Lee, top half. <laughs> <laughs> I I agree with you on Luke Humphreys. I just don't agree with you on Mensor, and I think we're going to have a run from Joe Cullen, and it will be Joe Cullen versus Luke Humphreys. I'm going... I just think Price will have too much. I just think his double top hitting at the weekend looked a lot better. I think Price beats Cullen in the quarter final. So I'm going Price. Can Dirk? I think Dirk beats Luke. Big goal. Big goal. Do you think he's due a performance? He, he certainly due one, but it's the following. That, that gets it through the first round. You don't think he beats Sir Lockheed <laughs> or you win the new one as well? Do a performance, not three. <laughs> Top half then, go. Make bite. I've got him off, sorry. Make bite. He will play. Michael. Boise. So yeah, sorry to be boring. Uh, right, MVG. Sorry, Dom. That means you got it wrong. <laughs> you know, we've oh, your recent run. <laughs> yeah, that was quiet. <laughs> Unfortunately, that means that Michael and Peter are both in trouble because we're going clean sweep. Then I'll be the then I'll be the first to say well done, uh, Rob Cross and, and Danny Knoppert on that into the second round. <laughs> <laughs> so from here, your semi finalists. Who wins and who do they beat in the final? Snake bite beats Luke. Boise. MVG beats Joe Cullen. Dog don't look so surprised. I'm Snapchat. 
For me, in the chat room, who do you think wins? Who do they beat in the final? Let us know. A um, couple of questions. Yes, the first round are six o'clock starts because of the amount of games they have to play in one session. The first two days are absolutely stacked. Uh, Mace is in. How are you doing? Mason's got Price beating right in the final. I want one of whatever going Price is injecting. Gone <laughs> <laughs> from withdrawing to smashing people off the board again. I might be able to run in a straight line then. <laughs> yeah, look, I just thought Price looked sensational at the weekend. Um, the, the other thing that people have to remember is they haven't changed the days or times from what it would be in Ireland as well. Because of the um, licensing laws and everything, it's slightly different over there. That's why the timings and the final is on a Saturday as well. Because of where the City West is, you struggle to get a crowd on a Sunday. So that's why the final is always on a Saturday when it is in the Emerald Isle. And, and delayed to start as well, isn't it, on the Saturday? Half past eight? Yeah. Yeah, half eight, good thing. Half eight. Still loads to get through, so let's plough on with it. The final Euro Tour of the season, can we call it a tour? We'll come on to that in a minute, because there are repercussions from what happened at the weekend. But the Iceman gets to another final where he plays Mensor Sulevich. We'll start with the um, earlier rounds to start with, boys. We won't cover everything because thing, but there were some standout ties in the very opening rounds. Um, a couple of really good performances. Although he lost, um, Patrick Kovac pushed Rob Kroskov, someone that we kept our eye on from Budapest and into the World Cup. Looks like potentially a very good talent. Yeah, WDF online singles champion through lockdown as well. Um, he just needs to kick on now. He's There's a couple in there, isn't there? There was um, Janusz Vagso as well, a couple of weeks back as well. They're definitely two of the Hungarian boys to be Keeping an eye on. Yeah. Finishing masterclass as well in the opening round. Andreas Harrison beating Keen Barry. And at one point, Harrison couldn't miss a double voice. Unreal. Yeah, first first end of the day. It was six out of eight. Fin um, so the finishing was just fantastic from him. And to be honest, it was a follow on as well. We saw with the first time on the evening as well. I thought Hempel was just outstanding in his. Uh, Few Tom Plus checkouts that that last leg was just outstanding. The 11 darts to, to wrap that up and then to punt in. Um, was certainly one who taught the eye for me across the weekend, uh, Hempel, and one who's taught the eye for the past few weeks. So, one I'm going to be watching closely because some of the performances he's now putting on uh, stage is going to be it's going to be interesting to see him, especially down into the uh, European Championships. 
and from the good to one of, if not, the worst Euro Tour games I have ever seen in my life. Um, Kenny Neon's beating Dyson Parody 6-4. Let's not sugarcoat it, God. It was absolutely shite. <laughs> yeah, that's not great, is it? I just looked at it. And, oh, I love Dyson because my boy Dyson sent me a birthday message from him because it's my birthday. <laughs> but not ideal, yeah. Not a great game, that one. But win's a win for Kenny Nines. Was, was, was I right in saying that was the lowest average winning performance in a Euro Tour event ever? I think so, yeah. I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was mentioned on comms. Um, <coughs> with that aside, with, with a dame, yeah, he's, all, he's always fun to watch, isn't he, Dyson? Uh, he certainly was still on the stage, but it wasn't a great performance. Look, <laughs> yeah, no, that's not sugarcoated. It was dreadful. Trying <laughs> um, to be not a bit nicer than you. You're straight in with the show. Um, <laughs> moving on into the second round. Um, what was one that jumped out on me? Oh, we spoke about it before. Devin Peterson was woes continue. Got just nothing going right for the African warrior at the moment. And he looked a bit ragged on the performance again. It's just something quite not clicking about Devon's performances nowadays. Especially when you compare them to what was going on last year. Yeah. Um, Michael Van Gerwen averaged a ton beating Rob Cross. Uh, where else are we? Like the one which we'll talk about when we bring another slide up shortly. Adam Smith-Neil beating the ferret Johnny Clayton, meaning Johnny Clayton will not be going to Salzburg. The Premier League champion does not make it because he's a seed and lost both second round games, Boise. Yeah, it was, uh, it was certainly the shock of the second round. It's a disappointing, um, it's disappointing not to see Johnny going to the Euros. And uh, I know we're in a tough spot shortly around the, the the tour that wasn't really a tour. tour. Um, with just the two events, but a, a very, very good performance from Adam Smith Neil. Um, done a job against Johnny. God says when we were talking just about in the preview for the Grand Prix, a little bit worried with the performance we've seen from Johnny Clayton. There is a little bit of concern there. The weekend before, scoring was there, um, but finishing wasn't as good as we've seen from Johnny Clayton. That got into the, the titles early on in the year. So he's going to be disappointed not to see the Premier League champion at the European Championships. But full credit must go to Adam Smith-Neil. Uh, one of the other ones, I guess, that stood out for me on the day, well, across the weekend, I was impressed with them with Kim Hybrechts. I know he didn't get through that win against Mensal, but his performance on Friday, uh, disappointing in the World Cup, but It'd be so good to see a, a Kim Ironbrecht that we saw a few years back getting back to playing. And there, there is aspects of that down there now. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how Kim can perform across the next few months. Um, because I think there is, he's getting back to where he was before. Performance of the second round, though, can only belong to one person. The riot, Callum Rids, being Peter Wright 6-3 with a 110 average goal. And that is sensational. 
Yeah, when Peter Wright averages 108 and barely gets a look in, <laughs> it's, a bit, it's a bit good. Um, really, really good performance for Callum Reeves, obviously, to, to beat Peter Wright. Um, knock him through, and he's another player whose ceiling game is very, very good. Completely. Moving on to the final day, we'll go through them. Joe Cullen and Nathan Aspinall at the top. It was the last game on, but what an absolute belter of a game this was. Nathan Aspinall, 6-4 winner, 107 average. Joe losing that with 104, Boise. Yeah, it was, it was, that, it was that performance, and, and Joe across the weekend that him better. Um, that is why I've tipped him to have a good run at the Grand Prix. Yeah, we lost the game, um, and Nathan was sensational uh, in this game, but Aspect of Joe Cullen there that was that was good, and I think he'll have a, he'll have a good one uh, next week. But what a game! What a performance by Asp. Yeah, and then Wadey Baby, as you call him, Gob, produced the goods in the afternoon. Six three victory, ninety nine point nine six average to get rid of Gabriel Clemens. Yeah, solid, decent from Wadey. Couple of wobbly moments, six from seventeen on the doubles. Would like to be a bit higher with that, but. James is a player that doesn't lose very many stupid games, doesn't win a lot of high-profile games at the minute. He's just floating along nicely in the middle and hopefully he peaks for the back end of the year. Yeah, Michael Van Gogh and then beating Danny Knopp at both averaging 102. The highlight, the 1-3-2 finish from MVG to make it five a piece. Um, Geron Price dispensing with Damon Hesser. Then Mensor Sulevich booking a place in the quarterfinals. 6-1 victory over Jose de Souza, 101 average from Sulevich, only an 89 from Jose. Then Ratajski gets rid of Adam Smith Neil, but Adam Smith Neil does that enough to book a place in the Euro finals. Brendan Dolan, 6-1 Witcher over Callum Rids. And this is what we were saying. Callum went from 110 to 92. Needs to find that B game, that middle ground. And the one at the bottom, at this point, Simon Whitlock was making a huge assault on that 16th spot for the World Grand Prix, being Ted Evans 6-4. So we had a quarter-final lineup, And we talk about drops in averages, boys. God, your boy had one. Wade went from 99 to 91 in a 6-2 defeat to Nathan Aspinall. Yeah, just a little bit flat for Wade. He doesn't seem to have that change of gear. There was a period, I don't know, at the start of the year, perhaps, when he went on to win the UK Open, where he just seemed to have that little bit more in the tank. He was hitting a few more 180s, and he just seemed that little bit more composed. He's, he's still switching around a little bit, but without hitting the trebles when he's doing so, and it's just making the legs that little bit more difficult for him as well. Um, so, yeah, dropping average to 91 if, if it, it's not there. It's not really there for James. Um, but a solid performance from Aspinall once again. Then the testosterone game. MVG losing out 6-5 to Gunnarin Price in arguably the game of the tournament. An unbelievable standard from both. But the world number one, Boise, got the job done. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a game where... Best to 11 just wasn't enough, was it? Let's be honest. We, we could have seen no. that all night. The quality was there for Rose. First eight legs all went on throw, and then we saw three breaks to finish it off. And, uh, it's the same, doing the right things at the right time, and Price certainly done that. Um, 
it was just, it was a good win. We want to see we want to see more of this Christ MVG, especially with that, the levels that we performed on Sunday night. Um, they was they were so good, and to see them too in something like the Grand Prix final would be such an entertaining one. Especially now we can see MVG getting better, and that the confidence he's got from that win uh, last weekend. So it's certainly one I think we will see more of in the uh, back end of tournaments towards the back end of this year. Mensal Sudamic scrapped his way past Christoph Wodzowski. Wasn't a classic. And the same can be said about the last one. But Simon Whitlock, 6-4 over Brendan Dolan, moving into a semi-final. And back then, the Aussie fans are starting to dream. But semi-final, number one. The world number one just continues. Another ton average to beat Nathan Aspinall, 7-3, boys. And then the bottom game. With such a big difference in the averages, how Whitlock got to win two of Mentor, I still don't quite know. Yeah, good question. There's a bit of a gap between them. Whitlock's finishing. Nothing special, I suppose. A 7 of 23 from Mentor is how that one happened. Yeah, and then the final, the Iceman. I think Mentor had run out of gas at this point because it was 8-0 and it was four ton-plus averages in a row from the world champion and world number one. Like Gob said earlier, I'd like to know what was in that jab because, boys, yeah, that was a bit good. Yeah, well, I'm, right now, I'm not quite sure why I tipped him to lose uh, first round next weekend. I'm not sure what I was thinking about 20 minutes ago. I must have had a different kind of jab that said the wrong way because that was <laughs> that was pretty good on Sunday. It was pretty good, wasn't it? Throughout the old day, you know, it, the, the only player who looked like he could have beat on that day was MVG um, because of the performances that MVG's now got with that, say, with that tournament win. It was so good. It was a shame for Mensor. Um, because we've seen him, we've seen the push into that World Cup. Um, it's going to be good to see him back on the European Championship stage. I questioned last week, and um, which we will save him. But if he keeps them to finals, uh, we, we're going to see him an awful lot more. Yeah, absolutely. So with the conclusion in Gibraltar, we have this. Not for a few weeks yet, but because it's but no draw needed. It's in draw bracket order, one place, 64, and so on. We knew the lineup for the European Championships. And. This one I'm all right about. This one. Who just published? You like that word in there, didn't you? Draws published. Seeding <laughs> <laughs> um, all over the place just with two events to qualify. But there's some big names missing from this. I know we spoke about it a bit last week, but now it's actually here. Were the PDC right to do it this way? I don't think so. I just think they should have laid it out at the start of the year so that everybody knows what they're playing for. Um, to carry seedings over from last year that basically got players through off one win because that prize money was 
bigger already being in that position. Basically, if you were a seed and won a game, you were there. Um, to have three qualifying events and then not be able to fit the third into the schedule, again, is disappointing. Those players would have been in contention for this, especially in a, a shorter, condensed calendar. I, I just think there were or could have been other ways to look at it before it got to this situation. I think they just put left it too late, left it this deep, and then had no choice but to go with what was there. I would have had to tell players that have possibly got there that they weren't in because they've changed their mind on the rules, and, and that makes them look even worse. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I, I don't agree with it. Like I've said at the start of the year, we all knew there wasn't going to be a full Euro Tour. It, that, that was plainly obvious from, from everyone to see at, after the world that there wasn't going to be a full Euro Tour. So they, they made the decision to split Q School and everything Challenge Tour, Development Tour, Early Doors. So I think something should have been in place, in my opinion. Oh, you see, I, I'm not sure this... I'm not against that it wasn't done at the start of the year. However, my... Biggest concern with it is you've named three qualifying events. So for me, those are the events that you're going towards to qualify them for the European Championships. It should have been then at that point for me at an absolute minimum that that should have then been in there to say how you qualify for the European Championships. For that only to be in place after the first events already taken already happened, you've then got the came back into the second event and then you've got the third event where the qualifiers play next year. And potentially, you might have some players of a non-tour holders playing in an event into the following year that just doesn't sit right. Once that, once the three qualifying events are announced, that for me is when you should be able to see a full end-to-end -end of how the tournament's going to run, including the European Championship. So that's where they've got it wrong for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the worst thing was, I'm not sure how it did play out in the end. But I saw a point being made earlier in the weekend that obviously ties would have been settled on countback. So over a two-event European qualifying system, basically, to get to the European Championships, why is somebody losing with an 86 average in the same round that Daryl Gurney lost with 100 average in the first European Tour more significant to qualify? That, yeah. that wouldn't have sat right me either over the shorter distance. Yeah, th th this is the bit that really irritates me is that some people have got in because they played in an event that was two weeks later than Budapest. Yeah, yeah. That's that that that's not right. If qualifying for majors or camp match should be done on the ability, whether that's averages or or, or whatever. But just because the event happened more recently, you get in. As far as I'm concerned, it's complete nonsense. Yeah, yeah. Without that, I guess, I guess the flip of that is there's some fantastic opportunities for some players who you probably wouldn't say would be in the European Championships. So you'd replace at least one of these with John Clayton if there was 10 events, probably even five events, you'd expect him to be in there and one of these would lose that. So there's plenty of opportunities for players who we haven't seen at a European Championship before. I've seen, seen somewhere there's eight or nine debutants, I think, could even be a couple more. And then there's, there's players in there like Kim who've got a, a great opportunity. So the flip side of that is there's, there's plenty of opportunities for players we haven't seen at this event before. It's not right, but that's how they've got a look at it, I guess. Well, the, the, 
the, the other issue, like we said about having three qualifying events, is there are people that have qualified for the third event thinking, I'm scrapping for my tour card here, <laughs> and that event now hasn't happened. If player yeah. A loses a tour card by 500 quid, you're going to be cheesed because you qualified, you qualified for an event that hasn't taken place. And that money well, may... If they lose a tour card and then decide not to go to Q School or aren't successful in getting it back next year, because then they go into a Euro Tour that actually means nothing to them. Yeah. Yeah. I love Shirley Max coming in the chat room. Could be worse. They could decide to use a Q School order of merit from February um, to fill the Pro Tours up as fillers. Oh, wait. <laughs> I mean, putting on the minute you have a challenge tour, it's the completely challenge tour turns to refill the pro tour. We brought this point up at the time, and the fact that they've kept that one but not adjusted this, there's just no consistency with it. No, I, I will never ever have a, a point to make against any decision making board or authority if they are consistent with the decisions that they make. And explain them or do them in, in a reasonable time. And that's not always possible, but they're just shooting themselves in the foot with contradicting themselves for whatever suits them at, at that moment. This is the creme de la creme of governing bodies for this sport. They have to be better in these instances. They've been doing this long yeah. enough now. I've... I laughed. I laughed at the word at the start of the uh, of the live lounge around publish, but for me, with any competition where you've got qualifiers and then you've got your final event, all the details of how you qualify for those should be published before anything's played, because it's just not fair on the rest of the field. I understand the situation we're in, and it's been a, a difficult year, but the inconsistencies we've seen this year are not what we uh, come to expect. From uh, Shawnee Max Point all the way through now to the, the European Championships, we've seen a lot of inconsistencies in regards to the decisions. Yeah, absolutely. I think, boys, that's just about a week in darts. I don't think we've missed anything significant, have we? Um, I believe so. Just we have as you may be able to tell from no that way on top of top left of your screen you can see partner with Ball Sports for our coverage of the Grand Prix coming up and we will have a really exciting giveaway in the coming days for that one as well so make sure you keep your eyes peeled all uh, over this our is social media huge in terms of giveaways. Oh, that would be maybe less this responsibility, to be honest. But yeah, we're, we're going to take it and we're going to reward you guys. Yeah, keep your eyes out on our social platforms because there is oh, just an absolute whopper of a giveaway coming up. Nothing um, lively to discuss in regards of the poll. It was just interesting to see what people had watch this weekend and which one they spent more time following. Admittedly, I could have said a, a 50-50 split. I could have had a third option, so apologies for that, but it was already up and going once people had asked for that. But 50-50 split for people paying more attention to the Women's Tour than the Euro Tour is not the numbers I expected when they're both on at the same time. 
what what did you think the numbers would be? I would said closer to 65, 35 in favour of the Euro Tour. Don't get me wrong, I, I fully appreciate that the people watching our show are proper darts fans. Every single one of you, the majority of you know your stuff. Some of you chat some absolute waffle in the chat room, which means you're in the right place, but the majority of you know your stuff. And <laughs> I can't help but think the women's series numbers are also increased a little bit in a poll asked to our followers because we streamed it for two days in a row. But at the same time, it's just an interesting thing to observe. Oh, yeah, no, massively. Um, we, Jim Williams picked up the Live League winner's title on Sunday, or early hours of Sunday morning, and saved the best till last, kind of fluked his way to finals night, fluked his way to the final, and then produced an absolute brilliant performance in the final. Jim doing what Jim does. Um, he loved our bank balance, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but with that, guys, chat room is open. Get your questions in. It is that time where we will try and answer as many and as best we can. And uh, Merlin wow. in there already as well. What a place to start this is right now who has had the most successful career Gerwin Price or Adrian Lewis and who will end up the most successful for me Gerwin Price do you think I'm going to I'm going to have to use the same line I use every time in this situation that at the end of the day you judged on world titles, and Adrian Lewis has two of those back-to-back in an era that, without being harsh, probably a little bit more competitive now because he had to get over early doors, Michael, Barney, Phil. I just think they were ridiculous hurdles to get over. And actually, the fact that Adrian Lewis is English, we as English darts fans aren't very patriotic about our own players. Couldn't care less about England win the World Cup. I want certain players to do well. Every single post I've seen congratulating Gerwin Price over the last weekend has involved a, a, a darts emoji, a trophy emoji, and a Wales flag. Do you think that amplifies his success because basically the whole of Wales are supporting him? Yeah, yeah possibly. But Although, like you say, Adrian Lewis still is a fabulous player, back-to-back world champion, but I also class him as one of the biggest underachievers in darts. Massive underachievers. Oh, yeah. yeah <laughs> the yeah, fact we're still having this conversation about what he did win shows just how good he was and how good he should have been. Yeah, and that question in the two part, the first part right now, if three is ended right now, most successful or... Who's three would you want? For me, I'm with you, Dob, on the world titles. It's got to be Adrian Lewis. With us to moving forward, it's it's very hard to look past Derwin Price winning a lot more. And I think we've spoke numerous times about Adrian Lewis and where he's down from Dole. And there's a, that uncertainty between us all, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Lewis can hit those levels of them. We're not saying he can't get better, we can't, he can't achieve more titles, but... To be as successful as he was is different where we do in price. I think three moving forward. 
the, the strip how we've performed this weekend is just the levels is out and that, those are consistent those levels that price have performed that so for me there's plenty more to come from the welshman and yeah. um, where currently back-to-back world titles you, should, you would want that wouldn't you but what time price time do it this year and that's the thing asked right. again in four months it could be a different answer um james says are fan and lisa both full-time darts pros now or do they have regular part-time jobs outside of darts i think they are both full-time pros don't look at me you know better than i do um certainly obviously fan's got a, a little boy as well so um i'm not sure that she doesn't she does work outside down. I don't think I, I might be wrong, but I think I think they both are. Maybe wrong with that, but my my head saying both pros. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of refs, I don't know. I know George is going. George is everywhere. I should imagine George Kirk and one other. I would guess. Yeah. Maybe Russ. This Midlands decent track for him. Oh, this is this is harsh from Jamie, but we'll 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 go there. What's your least favourite one eighty call? Mine. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I think he means from the, the T V refs. Yeah. Um, we're, we're happy to wear it though, Dob and George, if you want. <laughs> nah, my voice is gone. <laughs> um, I don't know if I've got a least favourite. I sat talking to you guys in two days is enough to get rid of it. <laughs> I don't know, I'm not sure um, I've got one. They've all got their own quirks to it. They've, they've got their own quirks. Um, my least favourite, not because it's bad, but the there's two that are miles better than anyone else's. George's and Kirk's are by far better than the others for me. Controversially, I don't like Russ's. Oh, I do like Russ's. I was going to add into the mix of those two names. Yeah, no, see, I'm not a fan of Russ's. Yeah, I am. I definitely have got. It's hard to pick the least favourite. We'd have we'd have to order them all and just see who comes out bottom if we're doing it that way because there's not one. Of yeah, these but for, for me, the, the the best two are George and Kirk. And Russ, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Well, so we got in the chat room because it's been rammed. Can we come and say hi? Get your questions in. Uh, Craig says, loving the show tonight, getting me through a very quiet night shift. Our pleasure, my friend. Interesting from Bill. Who has the biggest difference between floor game and stage game? Is it Ian White? Three years ago, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Not so much now. After that quarterfinal at the UK or the players, whichever it was. 
And to be fair, his floor game has dropped a bit, so his, his entire game's just dropped a bit right now. Um, yeah. Um. Brendan Dolan used to have quite a big gap between his. There's a time when he was yeah. picking up titles on the yeah. road tour, still does occasionally. Um, I think we saw that. I guess the players you're looking at nowadays are ones that haven't quite settled or got used to it. So, Gabriel Clemens. Yeah. Yeah. Brian Searle. Yeah. So, yeah, Searle played amazing stuff on the floor, but not quite taking that game to the TV. Ron Moolenkamp, we've seen him deep in a few pro tours and never really seen him go big on stage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dan says, any news on Russ? You know, yeah, Russ's operation, complete success. Um, and he will be back soon. I'm not sure if he is in Leicester or not. But yeah, the operation is all good. So, happy days. Joe Cullen, no, I disagree with that one. A few years ago, yes, but recently Joe's been superb on both. It's Euro Tour for he was number one seed on the Euro Tour, so it can't be that because that's a stage, so Yeah. Um I disagree with Gabe, so I'll take that. Man knows his stuff. Scrolling back through the chat room because you guys have been superb. I want to have a quick look. Uh, who is not in the World Championship as it stands? Don Henderson is not there yet, despite the World Cup antics. Max Hoff is a long way out of the World Championships, this boy. Can he oh, still play AGP number one again? That all depends on who picks up the world championship because the ranking money that is associated to that right now is so severe in terms of weight and compared to anything else. It just has a massive influence on it. Um, if, if MVG picks up the world title, then at some point, yeah, I think he might do. He is defending an awful lot elsewhere next year, though. And I think... The World Championship money may go up again very soon, which is great in one respect, but bad in others. It needs to be spread around. I suppose it's the flagship event, and that's what gets the attention of everybody else, but there's just such a significant gap between that and anything else if you're the World Champion. Don't get me wrong, you should be rewarded for being World Champion, but it's just too much now. Too, yeah, too big. Way too big. And it, it... It's only in that bigger. Yeah. Um, just looking at some weird names that aren't going to the world. Keegan Brown, a man that you just assume will always be there. 2,250 quid outside. Needs mm-hmm. some big Yellow performances. Yellow Class are not there. Matthew Edgar not there. Back end of this year, next couple of pro tours are very important for some of these guys. They hunt to keep their Especially tour the cards. Ones. 
I was about to say, the ones that are trying to keep their tour cards <coughs> huge. Sorry. Um, Ryan Meikle is only 500 quid outside. So, again, it's very close from Steve Lennon in 16th, who's on 14, to Adam Hunt, 32, three and a half grand. And then just outside that, what couple of good runs, and you're there or thereabouts. Um, race. Right, Edgar on the cusp. Andy Hamilton, Ryan Meikle, Roby John. Not in there yet. Yeah. Tell you, I'm just looking. Haven't seen him because he's in white on the other one. Yeah. Jeffrey Dejuan. Not at all. <coughs> He is miles off. And look, I think, should I get the live one up? Next year, Jeffrey Dejuan could be in a spot of trouble if he doesn't make the Worlds this year. Oh, to be fair, he's in a world of trouble. So for the rest of this year, he's defending £71,000. And next year, defending £74,000. This year to date, Jeffrey Desjardins has only earned £6,500. 4.3% of his overall ranking money. He is in a whole world of trouble. Yeah. He's in a whole world of trouble. Or, as God would say, Jeffrey Desjardins is in the mud. Serves him right for beating me four new in six minutes on the dev tour once upon a time. <laughs> yeah. One one other um PB, when I got to that this weekend and then just from this weekend and seeing his rankings drop, Steve Beaton for me is a, a concern moving forward. He's, he's dropping more and more down the rankings. We've seen him for so many years in the top thirty two, we've seen him for so many years at the match play. Uh, and that drop for me is uh, worrying. And the throw is one I've always liked, but performance and results more important. They just ain't there. And it's one to, to worry with that drop at the moment. Not so much this year, but I think next year will be the uh, the real test. The same where he's at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Didn't did he have a run in one of the blocks from nowhere, which basically kept his talk hard for another year? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can we um, can we talk Dutch darts in general? Yeah. About how it was meant to be the next big superpower, and actually, MVG struggling a bit. Dirk is the number two. Would was should have been there or thereabouts last year, and obviously he's not having the best of years. And the rest of the field, Danny Nopper, Jeffrey Desvan, they're still good. But they're not dominating the sport the way that many were predicting 10, 15 years ago when all of these names were being thrown about when the Dev Tour was, was filled with young Dutch players that were playing fast, they were playing quick, they were scoring high, they were using a lot of the board. None of them seem to have been able to find that extra gear to really make it as a professional dart player. Yeah. Do 
just had a look when we were talking about rankings and that, the scorecard. As it stands, Matthew Edgar is outside the 64. That would be a huge yeah. blow. Who plays him? Yeah. Not for Sky, because he's going on Roman report for him, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, work to do. Same as Ryan Meekle, Andy Hamilton. Um, sadly, there's a few that are dead in the water. Yella, Mike Videcker, Justin Pipe, Nick Kenny, all look goners, barring some kind of miracle. Couple um, more questions coming in. When's the Grand Prix TV schedule out, please? That'll be out later in the week. Um, yeah. Thursday or Friday. Um, Surely, Matt, using Gob's thoughts on the Dutch there, which countries are on the up? Good question. America? America, massively. Poland and Hungary? Yeah, I think so. Seen a good... Other than that, all the players that I've been excited about, or the, the new regions I've been really excited about for the last couple of years don't get me wrong covid hasn't helped that but it seems to have stored a little bit australia has, has given us damon hatter and, and gg and the rest of the boys come over from q school but they haven't really delivered the next big thing that was meant to be corey cadby um in asia the philippines no malikdom was nowhere to be seen this year lawrence lagan has never made the next step um the germans Florian Hempel, I really like the look of, and they are building that depth a lot more now. But in terms of top level, Max is struggling. Clemens has got to find an extra gear to be a consistent top 16 player if that's what he wants. Schindler's been a bit up and down. For the yeah. most part, the game is still very much at the top end, played by the home nations. Agreed. Yeah. Um, Jamie says, what's the highest average any of you three have ever thrown? Um, mine was, I know what it was because it was Super League back in the day. going back years, by the way. It was 29.03 or something like that. <laughs> when, I, when, I could, when I could cry, I had a good, I had a good night. Didn't happen all the time, but that, that, that was the best one for me. Are we good? Was that just one leg, Phil? Well, four. <laughs> Short four, man. Mine's around 85, but it, all of the uni stuff that I played was all short format. It was all best of three, best of five sort of thing. So 17, 18, back to back in around there somewhere. I hate I tracking averages. Never played very well. Yeah. Um, Lisa V. Fallon Sherrick. First of three sets at the Ali Paddy stage, who wins? Ooh. Ooh. On a stage? For Fallon. me, Fallon. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh. It's turning off plain sailing. As much as the advantage of the stage, especially at Ali Paddy, goes in Fallon's favour, I don't think it's plain sailing at all. Um, I think we'd be down all the way. I would edge towards Fallon. 
but I would be sitting on the fence a little bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stay firmly on the fence purely because of that one set against Jan Decker. Jan Decker. Yeah. Lisa Ashton absolutely blew him away on the very same stage. Um, yeah, um, yeah, James is, um, Andrew's just answered James, yeah, that it's not done and dusted for Edgar. Um, it needs to either come through the qualifier or have a good couple of pro tours to get him to the, to the worlds. So look, he's king of the qualifiers. He's come through that God knows how many times. So never write him off for that one. Definitely. Uh, Donovan says, do you think we'll see Corey Cabley again? Yeah, hope so. I tell you what, some interesting news from down under as well. Talking of seeing players again, Bo Anderson has got his practice board back out. Interesting. Has Man. played on that famous stage before. I see some averages the other day of a practice session. It was mid eighties. He said he hasn't played a lot in the last couple of years. Tidy, very tidy indeed. I would absolutely love that, just as a one-off. I don't know how he how he'd do it if he made the Ali Pali stage. It would just be so emotional. But I would absolutely love to see it. You hundred percent with me on that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Jamie says Wesley Harms question mark is he a dark player? <laughs> <laughs> Him and Christo Reyes are playing the longest game of hide and seek we've ever seen. Yeah, he always seems to find himself on a list. I almost said something then, but I thought better of it. No. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know where I was going. I don't, I don't need to know where you were going. It was probably the wrong direction, Philip. Oh, wow. oh, it was completely the wrong direction. <laughs> Last couple of minutes then, folks. If you've got anything else you want us to answer, get it in the chat room before we disappear for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> King Cook says, no, he's a part player. <laughs> <laughs> what a pun. Yeah. I think... Brighton have just equalised in the 95th minute. Oh, that's going to sting. Is it, he's, two minutes later, and he's still celebrating. <laughs> Small face. What a guy. What a guy. Oh, what a question. That's, that's the one. Who, who wins? Wesley Arms or Christo Reyes? Who turns up? Neither of them. Can't find it. Who wins hide and seek? Who do we see first? I think it would have to be an online event. But uh, that's the only <laughs> way we get on planet, I think. <laughs> Made in their bedrooms. <laughs> well, like we said, plenty coming up on the Online Darts channel, so make sure you are subscribed. The World Grand Prix coverage is going to be electric. The Fallout Bar returns with you boys. I know Tiz is going to get involved as well now he's over COVID. Um, so looking forward to that one. I know you boys enjoyed the Fallout Bar last time. Yeah, very much enjoyed the Fallout Bar. Uh, it was uh, a lot of fun, wasn't it, Dolph? A lot of fun. 
uh, straight after the afternoon, what, 10, 10 minutes after the, the coverage finishes, if that, straight on air, talking about everything that's happened on that night and previewing the following night. So he's very good and hopefully, uh, as you've mentioned, Tears and maybe one or two of the team on there as well across the week. And we certainly know within our talking points when we talked about the draw earlier on. So talking points are certainly going to start from that first Sunday and then run all the way through to that. Also as well, we've been talking about it. There's going to be some more TikTok content coming your way as well. There is. You were the one that sent it to me. (laughs) (laughs) Don't even know what day it is, mate. The cricket Deal with it. They're banging. What do we learn on day number one? He's hilarious. See, you've you've tricked that, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that we're stealing content. We'd never do that. Are we just borrowing the idea and making it our own? Yeah. Yeah. Missy's question. Um, Is there such a thing as a perfect match? And if so, between which two players would this take place? Um... I could sit and watch James Wade versus Mervyn King for about six weeks and not get bored. Um, yes, there, there is a thing called the perfect match, Missy. It is called Michael Van Gerwen against Gary Anderson in Dubai. Yeah, it was unreal, to be fair. Or Taylor versus <laughs> 15 legs. Yeah. I'd certainly rather watch that one, PB, than the one that Dob just said. <laughs> Ten minutes of that. Just think. <laughs> all, all, all I'll say is watch 10 minutes of Mickey Mantle and Jim Long and any game looks good <laughs> what a te- what a teenage response that was my dog as well dumb is out the crowd <laughs> I still look like a teenager mate get over it Yeah, uh, honestly Missy if you've got half or whatever it is an hour free it's on YouTube Michael Van Gerwen against Gary Anderson from Dubai 2016 or 17, Gob? Yeah. It's the, um, it's the final. It is genuinely one of the best games of darts I have ever seen in my life. Um, but, everyone, we have waffled for two hours now. And it has been absolutely immense to have you all along with us. Remember, the live league returns tomorrow, 9.30. Mace calling in all the action, day two of Group A. And the World Grand Prix starts on Sunday. We have everything covered for you here, online darts, whether that's the website, all social media platforms, or the YouTube channel. We will have everything here for you over the nine days. Boys, absolute pleasure to have you along as always. And thank you very, very much for joining us, chat room on fire we're going to sign off now we have been the live lounge and we will see you won't be next week because the tournament is on but the fallout bar every night and plenty of action in between and podcasts will be available on wednesday that is us signing out this monday night Boyle sports world grand prix on sky sports
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 